Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at Sardis Fellowship. To find info on our speaker and series, please check the podcast description. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! Well, good morning, everyone. I have a cold. So I purposely came late, and I hung out in my office, and then I made my way up here to preach, and I'm going to do that rude thing where afterwards I'm not going to hang around and talk with people, because although we're talking about sharing the gospel, some things you want to share and some things you don't want to share, and I don't want to share this with you. So I'm just praying that God, uh, well, you know that verse, when we're weak, he's strong, right? There we go. So welcome here to our final um, sermon on sharing the gospel. If you've been with us, you know that for the last six weeks we've been going through this sermon series. Next week we're going to start into a Christmas theme called The King Has Come. And of course we've already started Advent this week as we anticipate the coming and the birth of Jesus Christ. Our topic today that we're looking at is on the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in the sharing of the gospel. Uh, Back at the beginning when David Lee preached his message in this series, he said the purpose of this series is to encourage us, enable us, and empower us corporately and individually to share our light, uh, to shine our light brightly in the world. And I really loved his summary because him and I talked about the sermon series together and he was involved in it. And he came up with that and I said, Dave, that's spot on. That's exactly what we're trying to do. If you've been with us, you know that we've been talking a lot about this, and I hope that it's been up on your radar, the people that God has placed in your life that just maybe he wants you to be a witness to. That's the whole idea, is to put this on our radar and to realize that God uses each and every one of us in some way, shape, or form to share the gospel. My goal from the start has been to encourage us that we would actually open our eyes to see the opportunities that God wants to give us. Uh, but so often we're just not looking for that, right? And if we're not looking for it, then we're going to miss those opportunities in those moments. So far, we have looked at uh, six or five different topics, and today the six, uh, what is the good news and why is it worth sharing? Uh, intentionally crossing over barriers. That was Pastor Dave when he talked about going into the tax collector's house. He didn't have to, right? But he did. He intentionally crossed over that barrier, and there's many barriers uh, in our culture today that we also need to be intentional about crossing over. Walk the talk. That was all about our actions and our words matching, and that um, we need both, right? If you're not walking as a witness, and then you go share the gospel, people look at you and go, well, what kind of gospel is that? And if all it ever is is good actions and acts of kindness and never talking about the gospel or Jesus, well, then people won't really know, right? Remember when I did the Drew the Circle, Big Pie, and people thought I was, go share the gospel, you go share the gospel, and I was like, no, go get me a pizza. I love the ones with the dough in the middle. Like, our actions are important, but we need to bring the message to it as well. And then we looked at um, John 9, the man who was born blind, and Jesus heals him. And he said, this one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And and Jesus actually used that as a metaphor for spiritual blindness. And we looked at that, right? Do you remember the video we watched that Sunday where the man in the middle said I could come? If you were here, you remember that. The man in the middle said I could come. I might not have all the answers to everyone's questions, but this one thing I know, Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. Last week, we were looking at telling your story and how this is so powerful. Uh, But there was a caution that Dave Jackson was giving us. So often what we want to do is talk about the polished up version that Jesus Christ has done in me. And it's not the starting point for another person connecting with us. They're more likely to connect with us that we tell them how Jesus met us in our brokenness, 
in our own sin, in our own mess, rather than to try to give some polished up version of ourselves, which we know is not true. We know that it is grace of Jesus Christ from beginning to end, from the very moment that we figure it out to the moment that we die, it is the grace of Jesus Christ. And so he was cautioning us there. Um, be careful that your witness isn't one that is more self-righteous and pious in nature. Today, the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to talk about how uh, the Holy Spirit works in situations because so often we feel like maybe we have to make it happen. Now, I have had an overarching emphasis from the beginning. I said, I am not trying to give you a new job to do. I'm not trying to guilt trip you into going out and finding avenues to share the gospel. I'm not opposed to that. If you want to do that and that's your way. But what I was trying to do was to help you understand that uh, we need to be aware that God is the one who's worked in our lives and that you have something to contribute to sharing the gospel. So it should be a freeing thing because if I only feel pressure here, if I only feel like I'm going to fail here, if I only feel like Rod, Pastor Rod is trying to like squeeze me into some mold that isn't true to who I am, it's not my gifting, it's not my makeup, it's not my temperament or my personality, then that's wrong. But this is right. God has worked in your life. You have a unique story. You have something that could help someone else know the truth of the gospel message. And that takes all of us, wherever we're at. It isn't just a handful of people. It's each and every one of us in our place of employment, in our homes, on our streets, where we play, where we go to school, every single day. There's about 300 of us that are out there every day as a visible witness of who Christ is in our lives. So what I was trying to do is to say that maybe all we need to do is change our perspective a little bit. Rather than thinking it's always someone else's job, maybe I need to just change my perspective to see who it is that God has placed in my life and then ask him, God, how do you want to use me with this person that's in my life? It may be through a word of encouragement, maybe through an act of kindness, maybe through praying for them. It may be by inviting them out to Alpha or some other kind of church event or parachurch event. It may be that you do a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with them or that you have the chance to pray with them and they receive Jesus Christ. It may be that, but it doesn't have to be that in order to be sharing the gospel. Every single one of these elements contribute to how a person comes to faith in Christ. Yes, eventually they need to hear the message and yes, eventually they need to bow their knee to Jesus, but all along the way are acts of kindness, words of encouragement, the thoughtfulness that people have for a neighbor or a friend. And that too is sharing the gospel of Christ. There will be some who really pick up on this theme and you love evangelism. You're uh, maybe an uh, 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 extrovert personality and you like to talk with people and you might find this more natural. Great, hone that gift. Learn, read, study. We all should. We should all be uh, working towards having answers for people that have questions about the Christian faith. But the point is that not everyone is going to be an expert. In big ways and small ways, God uses us. And I want, to, I want you to be encouraged with that. Today's message is designed to understand that there is a plan and there is a planner, but you're not it. There is a plan and there is a planner, but you're not it. So it's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a sports analogy. I know I give too many of them, but I haven't given one for over four weeks. You know, self-discipline here. It's a football analogy, like American football, not all you Europeans and people from other countries that call the soccer football. But this is like you throw it and catch it football analogy, okay? There are fans in the stands and there are players on the field. When we come to faith in Christ, we are no longer in the stands. We're on the field. We're playing the game. We're players on the field. 
And not every role on the field is the same. You know this, right? There's those who play offense. There's those who play defense. If you've ever watched football, you'll see a group of guys going on and a group of guys coming off. That's the offense and defense. And then there are those who run with the ball and there's those who catch the ball. There are all sorts of different ways that the team works together to score points and ultimately win the game. That's the idea, right? There is the guy who kicks the ball through the uprights. Isn't that a fun one? I always wanted to be that guy. Probably because that's the only role I could actually ever do in football. But you also need the guy who holds the ball and pins it to the ground and places it just right. And then there's that guy, that funny position where he snaps the ball between his legs. And you don't even notice that guy. No one thinks about the guy that hops the ball. But you do notice when it goes over the head of the quarterback. Something has gone wrong. And now they're scrambling or they're going to lose the ball, right? So you have all these various roles, all these people who are playing a particular role, but there's only one quarterback. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is calling the play. But, time, but this time the play involves you. You're in the huddle. You're listening for the play. You're going to run straight out for 10 yards, fake to the left, then turn sharp to the right for two strides, and the ball will be there. Catch it and run. The Holy Spirit is calling the play. He's executing the play. But you have a part in it as well. Now, we might have thought that Jesus is the quarterback. And, you know, you wouldn't be wrong for using the analogy of Jesus as a quarterback, and every analogy has its limitations. But there is something in the relationship between, in the Trinity, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as it relates to salvation. I want to share this with you. The Father has purposed the plan of salvation. The Son has accomplished it through the cross, and the Holy Spirit applies it to our lives. That is the nature of the relationship in the Trinity as to how salvation happens in our lives. Jesus, his part, was dying on the cross, rising to life again. That's what has accomplished salvation. But he said to his disciples, I'm going to be leaving you, and it's better that I go because I'm going to send another. The, the Father and I are sending the Spirit. And it's better that I go because the Spirit will be with you and he will be teaching you and he will be empowering you and he will live within you. Jesus was the first advocate to carry out the work of the cross. The Holy Spirit is the second advocate who comes, walks alongside us, lives within us and empowers us to do what we can't do for ourselves. He is the agent of salvation, if you've heard that term before. He's the one who applies it to my life. He's the catalyst or the bond that takes the reality of what Christ did on the cross and makes it mine. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he does in each and every one of us. So there's two things at play here when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. The first is that he's at work in us. Like when, when we're sharing the gospel, okay? He's at work in me and you as followers of Christ. And he's also at work in the other person. So it's two sides of the same coin. It's going on at the same time. The Holy Spirit is calling that play for both sides of this equation. Of course, the challenge for us is to know when God is up to something in someone else's life. We don't really have the advantage of being able to see that, but I don't want you to stress about that. If our eyes are really open to what God wants to do, he's, he's going to open that door for us. Um, uh, he's wanting to use me in some way, shape, or form in this other person's life, and so I just need to be looking and waiting and ready. I want to set up my next three points by reading these few verses. I didn't put them in my slide, folks. Let me just check. No, I did not. Okay, I will read them further from John 14. 
The words of Jesus to his disciples. He said, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What I want you to understand is that these verses are telling us that the Holy Spirit has come to live within us. And sometimes I don't think we believe that. I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we're just not aware of the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us through God's word and what it is that he wants to do. So here's my three points on the first, um, the first half of this equation, the Holy Spirit works in us. So John 15, verse 1 and 4 Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine and the father is the gardener. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, my connection here is this. There are certain things I can't control. And there are certain things I can control. I can remain in Christ. But I can't control necessarily the bearing of the fruit. But what this passage tells me is you remain in Christ and he will bear the fruit through you. And for me, that's very freeing because if I'm so concerned about the outcome of my witness or my conversation or whatever, it's probably going to be forced. It's probably going to be discouraging when it doesn't happen. And what this scripture says is there's something that you can control and that's to remain in Christ. Stay close to Jesus. Don't stray from him. The part you can't control is the fruit. He does that. The second point, the Holy Spirit wants us to share the good news of Jesus with those that God had placed in our lives. Jesus calls us planting seeds or sowing seeds, right? And I'm going to read this famous uh, passage of scripture for us. Um, it's well known, uh, a well-known parable that Jesus told about planting seeds or sowing seeds. And I love it because he explains the meaning of it. So let's just read this through together. Then Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears to hear let him hear. And this is where Jesus goes on to uh, explain the parable. Which he doesn't always explain his parables, and it would have been nice if he always did. Because this is really helpful. Listen then, he's talking to his disciples, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. 
So what I take away from this parable is that I am responsible for sowing the seed. That is the part that I get to play. It's almost like the first point about staying in Christ and letting him bear the fruit. I don't get to control the soil that it gets planted into. I might have a role in trying to help them understand stuff, but what Jesus is saying is that, you know, we are to sow the seed. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is preparing the heart to receive the seed. And you know, when I look at these four different types of soils, um, there's only one that clearly is good, right? And it's like, wow, so maybe I shouldn't be so discouraged if, um, you know, all the people I've shared Christ with haven't come to faith in Christ yet. Our part is to spread the word, and the Holy Spirit is the one working in the other person. The Spirit wants us to remain in Christ. The Spirit wants us to share the good news. The Spirit wants to guide us in this process. So Galatians 5, 25, keep in step with the Spirit. Now it has a context, but I'm just going to take that idea. Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is that we're living in relationship with him. We're reading the word of God, and we're allowing the Spirit to speak to us through the word of God. Now this can be hard. It can be hard to know if I'm hearing the voice of the Spirit or not. And I'm the first one to admit that I, always, I don't always know in a given situation whether I should speak or whether I should be quiet, whether I should help or whether I shouldn't help. But I will say this. If I'm never speaking and I'm never helping, then something's wrong with that picture. I'm not keeping in step with the Spirit. Back at the beginning of our sermon series, I held a, a two-part um, seminar on sharing the gospel. We met out here in the foyer and down in the far side room. And I, um, afterwards, I, I stayed with a friend and we had a, a bit of a meeting, so it went quite, quite late. It was about 9.15 and I, I left. I was driving out of the parking lot and right here in this doorway, uh, in the pouring rain, a guy had brought his four bags and laid them out there. And so, um, you know, I was, it was late. I wanted to go home. But I, I heard God say, don't just drive by. Ask the guy if he needs help. You know, my own voice and all that. You know, the inner conversations we have, I'm late, all that, right? And I thought, you're not in that much of a rush. Just stop. So I stopped. I said, hey, can I help you? And he goes, oh, yeah, my girlfriend kicked me out. <laughs> Lived down the road over there. I carried the bags to here because I wanted to make sure I had all my stuff. I said, oh, do you have a place to go? Yeah, across town on Wellington. I said, I can take you there. And he was blown away by that. Really? All the way to Wellington? I'm like, <laughs> It's just Chilliwack. It's not like I'm taking it to Hope. I said, yeah, sure. We threw his bags in the back seat. We get in the car. And he starts to you know, share about what's been going on in his relationship with his girlfriend and some of the challenges there. And uh, as we're talking, he says, you know, um, I, I, had, I had the thought, I hope a pastor's at the church tonight. <laughs> I thought, wow, there's faith. Because it was 9.15 on a Sunday night. I'm not usually here. And, uh, and then he shared about his upbringing. He'd grown up Catholic, but he never really believed. He had fun with a friend of his whose mom was a Protestant Christian, and they used to argue back and forth. And he said, I just did it for fun, though. I, I don't think I ever really believed. And so he's sharing all of this with me. And I, I'm driving down Evans over the highway and whatnot. And uh, I said to him, are you hungry? And he said, yeah, I am. And so we pulled into A&W, and, uh, and the church bought him supper. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, who can afford a burger, fries, and a drink these days? <laughs> At A&W. <laughs> so 
so we're waiting for our food to come. And while we're waiting for our food to come, he's just sharing more about his life. And I'm just sharing back about, well, do you see God's hand? And he's like, I do. I can't believe you were there. And I can't believe that you're taking me across town. And I can't believe you're even buying me supper. Like there's all these I can't believes. And then our food finally came. We were pulled out in the, you know, waiting for the food to come. And, and then I, I said, can I pray with you? Can I pray for the food? And he said, yeah. And so I prayed. And I was able to pray a prayer that was kind of like, Lord, help this guy know that this is not me. This is you speaking to him that you care for him. You care for him in his relationship, which is broken. And then he says, you know, my brother goes to Main Street Church. He's inviting me all the time. And I'm like, I think it's time to go. <laughs> he said, um, I'll be in church on Sunday. I've heard that lots over the years. I don't know, maybe it was. I said, how about you go to your brother's church with your brother? That would be great. And that's kind of where we left the conversation. Now, I have no clue where that landed in the man's heart. But what I know is that I sense that the Holy Spirit was opening doors. I didn't have to force him, right? He was telling me about his need. I just showed him some care. From that care led to prayer. It's not something that you're forcing. You're just kind of having that conversation. And when it's done, it's done. Don't try to push it too far, too hard. Plant that seed. Let the Spirit of God use that seed in his life. There's another voice that's going to speak into his life. Now, if you have the chance to lead him to faith in Christ, by all means. But it wasn't there for me that time. I will also admit that there's many times when I don't know if the hand of God is opening a door. Uh, there are many times where I drive by and I don't stop to help. I admit there's many times that I don't have the words and the door doesn't seem to be open. But I think that's okay. Because you never know if a person feels very closed off, it doesn't mean that what you have spoken to them isn't getting in. My dad, he was a hardened man in his early 20s and my uncle shared Christ with him many times. And my uncle said, Rod, it was so hard to share Christ with your dad because he was so in your face, so aggressive. And my dad told me years later, he goes, what David didn't know, his brother, is that every time he spoke to me about Jesus, it was piercing me to the heart. And I just put up that wall. But the truth of the matter was, on the inside, I knew I needed Christ. And so it was just this facade that he was putting up. So the first side of the coin is that the Holy Spirit, uh, well, right there. One, two, three. Good. Let's move to the second side. What is the Holy Spirit doing in the other person? It's coinciding at the same time that God is working in us and God is working in them. There's for sure a wondering we have about how all of this works because we wonder what is our part and what's God's part, right? We believe that God is a sovereign God, so sometimes we wonder in God's sovereignty, how, how does that intersect with my humanity, right? I mean, that's a fair question to be asking. Um, and we may wonder that if God is sovereign, then why do I have to do anything at all when it comes to sharing the gospel? And to that, I can actually say that I don't know the reason as to why God has chosen that it works that way, but that's what he has chosen. In his sovereignty, within his sovereignty, and within his sovereign will, he has chosen to use us to help others come to Jesus. So while God is sovereign, he is using us to be a piece of his sovereign plan. So what is the Holy Spirit doing in the life of the other person? The first thing is he convicts people of sin, of our problem with sin. John 16, but very truly I tell you, 
it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I'm not getting into the meat of that passage. I just want to simply say it's the role of the Holy Spirit to convict a person of sin. It is only the Holy Spirit that can take off those spiritual blinders. I mean, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face, and there's nothing wrong with sharing that part of the story. I mean, it's, it's part of the reality that you need to know the bad news before you know the good news. The bad news, I'm a sinner. The good news, Jesus is taking care of that, right? But it's the role of the Holy Spirit who takes those blinders off. Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, 2, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And of course, our next thought might be, well, then how do we get those blinders off? Well, there's also the God of the universe who opens the eyes of a person, right? Even though there's the God of the age who's blinding us from being able to see who Christ is, there's the God of the universe who is working in that person's lives, you know, we cannot systematize this. If, if we could, then we would, we would, like, salvation. But every person's story and every person's experience is so different that it is only the Holy Spirit who is the quarterback calling people uh, to come to faith in Christ. Now, here's a role we can play. Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear about some without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And while it's true that we send out missionaries to go to other countries, each and every day, we are sent. We go out of this place into our regular place of employment and work and whatnot, and we can bring this good news of Jesus. The Holy Spirit takes the word, this message, and he applies it to people's hearts. He's the one that's bringing down those, those scales on the eyes or the blinders so that they can see. Have you ever been under the conviction of the Holy Spirit? I'm sure you have. I have. There have been times where the word of God has been preached and I could sense in my heart the spirit of God speaking to me. Well, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in a person who's yet not believing. He's drawing them to Christ. And I think we see it in the story of Nicodemus. Um, I'll just read it. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. That's the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God gives birth to the Spirit within the human being. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And I think what I take away from this is the sovereign work of God in people's lives. I cannot just come to a person and say, hey, buddy, one, two, three, done. Right? It is about what the Holy Spirit is doing as the wind blows 
And you can see the effect of the wind, so it is with the Holy Spirit. You can sense when a person is opening up, when their heart is softening, when they want to know more, when they want to come out to Alpha or take a Bible study. These are the things that we can see, but it is the Holy Spirit who's doing the work in their heart. Now, this encourages me for two reasons. One, the Holy Spirit does this work, not me. And two, I shouldn't become discouraged that the person doesn't respond if they don't respond positively to the gospel. Okay, that's not my burden to bear. Now, there's much that could be said on that passage, but that's the point I wanted to make from it. It's the work of the Spirit, not mine. But I might add a final note here. It's why we pray. It's why we pray. We pray and we are asking the Holy Spirit to work in people's hearts. Um, that's why I'm encouraging you with this initiative to be praying for your three people to come out to Alpha, these little prayer cards that we handed out a few weeks ago. Be praying for them. And by the way, there's invites that we have as the ushers will give them to you on the way out today so that you can invite a friend. It gives all the information for the Alpha that's coming up in January. But there's one more thing I want to address about the work of the Spirit as it relates to salvation and as it relates to prayer. Often we wonder, why doesn't the Spirit do it every time and why doesn't he do it sooner? right? Like who doesn't have family or friends that you've been praying for for years and they haven't come to faith in Christ? I want to give you a verse that's meant a lot to me. When you come up against obstacles and challenges that go beyond your strength, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What I, and there's a context, he's rebuilding the temple and all that, and he's got adversaries, and it's a massive project, and it feels like it's never going to happen, and God says this word to him, it's going to happen. But it's not going to happen the way in which you would think. It's not going to happen by your force, or your might, or your power. It will happen by my spirit. The person that you're praying for, the spirit of God is working on that person. Don't give up. I know it feels like the door is slammed shut, and it feels like it's hopeless, but it's not. Keep praying. There's a story within the life of our church. It's a few years old now, but if you've been around, you'll know the name Ernie Charlton. And Maria is probably here today. Hi, Maria. Maria and her family prayed for Ernie for years. I'd even go so far as to say for 50 years. And it seemed like Ernie's heart would not change, but he came to faith in his 70s. It was a simple prayer, going to bed, trusting the Lord with his life, even while having many questions. The next day, Ernie said he woke up a new person in Christ, and he couldn't deny it. He couldn't deny it. Praise be to the Lord. If it's true for a guy like Ernie, it can be true for who it is that you're praying for. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Don't give up in praying for your friend. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.